Hello and welcome to ISA Conversations, Women in the Law of the Sea, a special production of the International Seabed Authority in celebration of the remarkable contributions of women to the progressive development of the law of the sea. I'm your host, Mark Thomas, and today we meet an eminent jurist, a judge of the International Tribunal for the Law of the Sea, a diplomat and tenured professor of law and international studies at the University of Chile, Maria Teresa Infante, a distinguished daughter of that great South American country, Chile, and her nation's gift to the world. Your Excellency, welcome to the conversation. Thank you very much, uh, Mark. This is a, a real privilege to be with you today and to be able to convey some views and some uh, memories to all who will be following us. This is an opportunity not only to bring back memories, but also to look ahead and to look forward. Although I have already lived some decades, I'm in the middle of a process of looking at what's new in our world, not only the law of the sea, but also in international law and the role of international law in our region and in our community. Professor, your track record in international law and diplomacy has won you the admiration of so many who are engaged in the UN Convention on the Law of the Sea. Take us back, if you may, to the start. Where and when did this all begin for you? Well, the first the, the moment at which I, I got acquainted with the law of the sea and changes that were happening in the world was already when I was studying law. Some friends were following uh, patterns, Latin American patterns and movements. Some professors were involved in negotiating texts, declarations, and also preparing some reports in order to change the law as it stood at the time. For example, the question of uh, clarification of the extension of the territorial sea, the creation of a patrimonial sea and economic zone later on, and also some strategic issues, for example, navigation, trade, seabed lines, and the, the importance and the role they play in the determination of, of the length and the breadth of the territorial sea, and so on. So that, that was a, a moment at which my conscience took note of something that was happening in the world. And I realized, because it was a moment in which many comments about developing nations, the world order, it was a decolonization uh, moment also. So that transposed to our national setting. That was a moment. Second, the launching of the UN Conference on the Law of the Sea when I was very young at that moment, that gave me the opportunity to understand the positions of different countries, different leading persons, and the influence of leading persons have in negotiations. And the law of the sea reflects, to some extent, the importance of having leadership. Of That was from Africa, Asia, Latin America, European countries, North America, and so on not to mention the big powers, which are always very present. But at that time, the world was configured in a different way. That was a, a political moment. And third, studying. A professor, uh, a teacher of mine in Geneva, suggested that I should look at the relationship between the law of the sea and Antarctica. That was a difficult issue because Antarctica was supposed to be subject to a special regime, not 
fully developed because at that time there were no convention, specific conventions except one on natural resources, well agreed and, and fully negotiated on natural resources. The environmental protocol is, came much later. So that gave me the opportunity to try to integrate two worlds that were very close to each other, the law of the sea and a continent where different positions regarding the territory are operating and are also guaranteed. That is the backbone of the treaty, the question of having the status quo. And I think that was very interesting that I got an invitation to join the delegation of Chile. I was uh, about the end of the UN conference on the law of the sea and to participate in some sub-regional meetings, which was a more local, but more in-depth, but uh, at the same time, we were more protagonists of what we were doing because it was not diffused in the world uh, scenario. So that is more or less my background. And I started teaching learning, writing a little bit, and trying to be very collaborative. That sounds like such an exciting time back then. Thank you. What was it like for you, young, aspiring lawyer, charting a new path for yourself in the world? Well, I must say that I didn't have the sense I was so different from the others. What I saw was the difference in terms of the performance uh, some uh, senior diplomats have already achieved and jurists and also my knowledge and so on, but not the situation of being a woman or not. But I must say that there were very few female delegates. Some of us came from Latin America. There were some leading personalities in the the delegations of some uh, countries, Latin American countries, very well performing, very well and very well trained. So there were good examples to follow. But the question was, will I be able to participate in a discussion on an equal basis with someone who has a score uh, uh, which is uh, absolutely outstanding and I'm just a beginner. That was my worry at that time. And uh, everything was facilitated because I had the chance to work with some ambassadors in Chile. Uh, let me mention Francisco Ruiz-Cuña, Fernando Sejers, and some others and some younger colleagues who were very open-minded. So they helped me a lot, not only facilitating information, but also giving me space. And, uh, you know, I will never forget some uh, an advice that was given to me. You have to play by your own. Be free in the negotiations, in the, when you have to say, should I oppose or should I express support for any initiative that is being uh, put forth here in the, uh, before the audience? Well, he said, try to play as you feel. That was very important. Your Excellency, looking back, did you imagine we would be at this place in the journey to make the oceans the common heritage of mankind? Well, that was a, that was a, a huge chapter. The common heritage of mankind was seen as a promise, but it, that is not sufficient in international law to be a promise. You need something that is staying behind, that is supporting you behind. That is the will of states, stakeholders, and nobody playing again the system or everybody on board. So to be constantly activating, motivating um, scenarios and so on. So the common heritage of mankind is a reality that is a, a principle that should prevail 
by all means, in the sense that you should feel protected by the principle, not playing against it, against your own interest, to include your interest and to, to define your interest in accordance with, so in conformity with the common heritage of mankind. From the outset, yet less so now, the law of the sea has been a field of international law dominated by men. You would agree, uh, Your Excellency. What counsel would you have for women currently working in the law of the sea? Well, it was natural at the time that legal advisors in the ministries of foreign affairs were men. Senior diplomats were also men, also members of the International Law Commission for many years, predominantly. And for women to open a pathway in order to be participating in the decision-making at the national level and then in, in international negotiations, normally it is a career. It is a career in which you start going step by step. But at the moment when we have to play a different role, not only being part of a team, but also leading a group, also providing advice at a different level, to be participating in the highest position in the negotiating process for women are very, I think, are not only invited, but should be welcome. It is the view of men and women that allow us to understand how the society works, how the community works, the decision-making process in the political setting transposed to the legal setting. So for women, if there is an invitation, it is not to be overwhelming over the system, but to be, to be a partner, to be able, without doubt, to take the leadership, to, to be director, to be heading a group, and to be uh, also transmitting the position of your country in the international fora, before international fora. That is important. So for women, it is an invitation. It is open. There are many women who are really leading nowadays in the law of the sea. We have the president of the conference on BBNJ. We also have senior diplomats and senior legal advisors participating in many cases before the, the international courts and tribunals. We have judges, arbitrators, and so on. So this is a moment in which we cannot see ourselves as persons who are left behind. That's what can I say. It has been a process and it has been a career in the sense of a professional career. Sometimes it also needs studies. It also needs performance. And uh, to be seen as trustworthy, as a, a persons who can, who are able to, you can deal with them and you can achieve something together. This sense of togetherness, I think it is very important for women, not only raising the finger and saying, uh, oh, I oppose this, but also I propose, at least in my, in my, in my opinion. Professor Maria Teresa Infante, a sitting judge on the International Tribunal for the Law of the Sea, sharing such keen insights with us today. We're going to take a break. I say conversations. We'll be right back. Welcome back to ISA Conversations, Women in the Law of the Sea, where we're having a delightful conversation with Maria Teresa Infante, esteemed judge of the International Tribunal for the Law of the Sea. 
Your Excellency, I'm keen on hearing your perspectives on a very real challenge facing professional women working in this demanding field of international law who desire to do well, but at the same time to have a family. How might that career family balance be achieved? I think it, it is possible to accommodate uh, one life with the other one. It is possible, but you need assistance. And you also need uh, the, an understanding of how the situation, how the group, how the committee in which you are participating functions. To be a woman, it's a privilege because you have certain sensitivities, but there's also men with sensitivities and other things. And I think it is a permanent accommodation to work in habits, to work in methods, and the family should be a supportive backbone to uh, all women, as well as men, in the sense that the, the family is uh, a pathway through which you have learned how to conduct personal activities, to manage your personal emotions, to be able to uh, transmit directly your own views without harming the, the relationships. And I think that is very important. So the family, family like the school, is a place where uh, you learn how to behave in the society. That is very important. So to be able to transmit that the family is so important while you are working in a different setting, participating in a conference and so on, I think it is fully compatible. What sometimes looks less compatible is the question of the, the timetable, the question of the timing. Uh, the question of, of, of devoting attention to one problem or to the other. But in the end, everything can be accommodated when there is no violence and there is no, there is no tension in the group in which you are uh, participating. That's what, what I can say. But at the same time, I think states uh, have to support women when, when they have children at school and so on, because everything has to be accommodated to a role which is absolutely indispensable. Your Excellency, you've been a judge on the International Tribunal for the Law of the Sea since 2020. Give us a peek into that world and define, if you may, the role of the tribunal. This is a group of judges, well-organized, well-prepared, very reliable persons who are ready and eager to listen to arguments of states put uh, by states before the tribunal and to say that this is the law you have to apply all problems you have encountered and we are uh, looking at how to overcome those situations that have been created because of your behavior. And I think that is very important. The tribunal was the creation of the Law of the Sea Convention, 70s, early 80s. After the adoption of the convention, there were many discussions about the fragmented world, different tribunals and so on. But so far, the tribunal has shown that its role is a leading one, and the role to apply law, to interpret law, and to be present in cases that are taken by states to lodge a claim before the tribunal, to submit a case before the tribunal, is a guarantee of good law, applicable law in the end. Professor, we're almost out of time, but I wonder, when you reflect on the arc of history 
and how the law of the sea has developed over the years, what do you see for the future? Well, I see for the future that the UN Convention for the Law of the Sea will, uh, will continue being of paramount importance for states and for other stakeholders and other uh, subjects. That's one thing. I think the UN Convention uh, keeps the virtue uh, and, the, and keeps the value it had in 82 and then when it entered into force in 94. That's one thing. Second, well, we need to integrate many provisions of the UN Convention, or some provisions of the UN Convention, into a, a more a broader legal uh, set of norms. The interrelationship, for example, with the law of the environment, with the uh, questions relating to climate change, uh, questions relating to navigation and uh, transportation, and the question even of, of uh, seafarers and human beings operating in the seas, and so on. And also the question of dispute settlement. I'm confident that the, the set of norms that have been established, uh, they will continue, they will be invoked by states, they will be present in foreign policies, and so on. The question also of the biodiversity, which is a very complex one, which is in the hands of a conference now in the UN, that biodiversity will produce an outcome that is agreed uh, upon by the states, that is applicable, that is uh, enforceable, and not only a, a general discussion about principles and so on, something more with more flesh. That is in the hands of very, very, very able women, by the way. And uh, uh, that's one point. The, the other point which is more difficult to assess is the, the, the implication of the law of the sea in cases of conflict and, and conflictive areas and so on. So that is a question, a situation in which I cannot, I cannot uh, uh, foresee if there will be a, a brilliant future or not, or there will be changes or not. But the law of the sea is a, a good instrument to deal with those conflicts and to be introduced in those disputes where you have a strategic and other issues involving law of the sea matters. Well said, Professor, but we couldn't end without getting your perspectives on the new and emerging rules of women in the law of the sea, especially in the context of the UN 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development. Yes, not only it, it, it is not only important to, to, to stress that uh, women have been heavily intensively participating in the discussions on the, on the Sustainable Development Goals, but also providing information domestically, internationally, about the way those goals have been uh, performed or have been achieved or have been attained, are being attained. Then the question of women is a question of participation. It was a question of protection, was a question of enhancing their role in certain settings, but also participation and also taking into account the contribution of women to enforce, to implement the goals. For example, it is in scientific research, it is in, in domestic uh, production, it is in the question of exploration of, and exploitation of natural resources. Women 
can bring and bring a, a view, a, a position, an engagement that should be taken fully uh, be taken into account. And I think this is the situation in many countries. Professor Maria Teresa Infante, judge of the International Tribunal for the Law of the Sea. Let me, on behalf of ISA, thank you for this enlightening conversation and best wishes for your current and future endeavors. Thank you very much. Thank you to you. This has been ISA Conversations, Women in the Law of the Sea, a special production of the International Seabed Authority in celebration of the remarkable contributions of women to the progressive development of the law of the sea. I'm your host, Mark Thomas. Until next time, thank you for listening.